This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in the city of Melbourne. Today's big question, how can I be mentally fit? Today we're asking this question to Dr. Jenny George. Jenny is CEO of Converge International, a leading Australian health and wellbeing solutions provider. Jenny has also been Dean of the Melbourne Business School and she's also served on a variety of boards of not-for-profit entities and sings with the Consort of Melbourne, a semi-professional singing ensemble. And she joins me now. Please welcome Dr. Jenny George. Thanks, Rob. Jenny, welcome to Bigger Questions. Now, you're the CEO of Converge International. Mm. So what exactly does Converge do? We work in workplaces uh, and the things we do is help... um, both with individuals and their well-being, so trying to support mental health and well-being, uh, but also workplaces more generally uh, to understand how to manage sometimes quite complex people problems. And so uh, we try and help with understanding risks uh, and helping with challenging personalities, uh, but also supporting well-being more generally. So you're doing employee well-being, etc. Yes. So are you busy? We are extremely busy. Right. Uh, we've, we've doubled in size and that's partly that, yes, we're, we're doing well as a company, but also that there are many, many challenges in Australia and particularly workplaces. Uh, and workplaces are realising that they have a role to play, both as um, part of uh, the, the problem, if you like, but also part of the solution. Mm. Well, we'll get to discussing some of those challenges in a moment. But to kick off bigger questions, we like to ask a couple of smaller questions. We do try to have a bit of fun on the show. Today, we're asking Dr Jenny George about mental fitness. So, Jenny, I thought I'd test you on how much you know about fitness. Hmm, There's there's two questions, both multiple choice. Question one. According to the ABS, which is the most popular form of fitness in Australia? Is it A, walking for exercise, B, going to the gym, C, extreme ironing, or D, axe throwing? I'm going to go with walking for fitness. Yes. Well, that's a good one to go with because that's actually the right answer. Walking for exercise is the most popular form of sport in Australia. But have you ever considered extreme ironing? Uh, apparently competitors who call themselves ironists go to remote locations to iron their clothes. Uh, I have actually seen pictures on Facebook of people ironing on the top of a mountain. Yeah, that's so right. That's extreme yes, ironing. Yes, yeah. I am aware of it. Yeah, that's something that appeals to you at all? You no. It's good for your well-being, perhaps? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, question two. You're doing well. Question two. Nerdfitness.com suggests 40 ways of exercising without exercising. Now, which of these wasn't one of their suggestions to exercise without exercising? Was it A, get a standing desk, B, go to church and pray, C, clean the house, or D, park at the far end of the car park? Well, I think it would be B, go to church and pray. Yes. But I would actually somewhat dispute that. Okay. Well, well, that's interesting because that's exactly what we're talking about this afternoon, perhaps. Yes. But it's actually true. Yes, it is. That's, that's, was not, that was the correct answer. Go to church and pray. So, Jenny, you're fighting fit because you passed. <laughs> you got two of our two Thank smaller you. questions right. Big round of applause. <laughs> so, Jenny, building physical fitness and physical health is popular in Australia. But almost half of all Australians will experience some form of mental health condition in their lives. Mm. So is building mental fitness and mental health important in Australia today? 
Yes, it is. Uh, one of the things that we think is incredibly important is for people to understand what are the things that they can do and build into their lives on a regular basis, just like you would park the car an extra distance away so you're getting some incidental exercise and walking. There are some habits you can build into your life that build mental fitness as well. Yeah, but perhaps not extreme ironing. Not extreme ironing, <laughs> okay. necess necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> In any one year, though, it's estimated that around one million Australian adults have depression and over mm. two million have anxiety. Mm. Now, these are a staggering numbers and yes. former Australian of the Year Patrick McGorry described Australia as being in the midst of a mental health crisis. Mm. So is crisis too strong a word for describing the state of mental health among Australians? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it is a crisis. Uh, it's just overtaken colds and flus as the most common thing that people go to see a GP for. Uh, it is clearly at record levels. Mm -hmm. One of the issues, uh, I guess, is sometimes, is it under-reporting? Are we just seeing problems that were always there, but we're now... Um, have less stigmatisation and so people are going and talking about them. And I think there is an element of that. Clearly, uh, there have been issues in the past. People had nervous conditions or shell shock and we called it different things mm. or they were simply um, enduring sadness and loneliness but didn't necessarily talk about it as a mental health condition. So I think under-reporting is an issue. And so they didn't have necessarily the, the words or perhaps the confidence to think that this was a real thing? That's absolutely right. But I think on top of that uh, is also that this does appear to be affecting more people than we have experienced in the past. And there's lots of explanations for that, but no one's really pinned down exactly what it is. So, you know, we can talk about technology and always being on, and that does have some correlation with anxiety. We, th we can talk about different expectations of life. It's fascinating that about 20 years ago, a common thing that psychologists would talk amongst, amongst themselves about was boredom. And now, no one is ever bored. <laughs> no, I'm serious. It's a really different world. Um, and so that means would, would that boredom this... be uh, perhaps uh, a thing that would help with mental challenges? I'm not sure that we can pin it down that precisely. Right. What I'm trying to, I suppose, say is there are major social factors that have really changed. Yeah, and so being sort of always on, we're not bored anymore, that's actually part of the, the sort of the matrix of issues that we're facing. I think it could be, absolutely. Mm. I think also there's just a loss of some everyday habits and this is where we come to mental fitness in the end, but we, we as a society used to have things that we did regularly that promoted good mental fitness. So things that were social, things that were environmental, some physical uh, things that we did, um, as well as some of our mindset all of those things were habits that were built into our lives that we didn't even know were built into our lives. Mm. Um, and so they're, we they're have, incidental. Exactly. And we have stopped doing some things. And we're going to talk later about the role of religion, but going to church is one thing that a very large proportion of Australia has stopped doing. And there's a whole lot of reasons why that leads to uh, the loss of some habits that were part of people's lives that were actually really helpful. Mm. Now, so you mentioned mental fitness, and that's what mm, we're talking about today. Now, in the past, people have talked about building resilience as one of the ways of coping with mental health yes. challenges. So is there a difference between the two, resilience and mental fitness? Not really. No, it's, it's a very similar concept. The reason we are talking about mental fitness and using that language is because it puts the emphasis on it in helpful ways. Like physical fitness, this is not about illness or health. So you go to a doctor if you're physically sick, but you go to the gym to be physically fit. 
We don't believe that mental fitness is going to stop people from necessarily getting depression. It's not necessarily going to solve every problem, mm. but it is likely to make you happier and live longer and be in better shape, if you like, mentally. So we find that a really useful and helpful concept. I think the other problem with the word resilience, though, is that um, some people read it as being an innate thing. I'm either resilient or I'm not. Whereas fitness is a really helpful word because like physical fitness, everyone can improve. Mm. Well, this is what Irish professional boxer Katie Taylor said. She said mm. that mental strength is something you either have or you haven't. So is mental, the idea of mental fitness sort of challenged that idea? Absolutely. Um, I, I, because she's I've, pretty mentally strong. She's a strong yeah, yeah. woman, you know, a professional boxer, world champion, etc. She obviously has it. Absolutely. Look, I'm not saying that um, she doesn't have mental strength, but I think she's wrong when she says that it's something that's either, you know, yes or no, on or off. Mm. Um, mental fitness, we, we think is actually three things. It's strength, flexibility and endurance, very like physical fitness. So strength is absolutely one of those things. And yes, some people may start from a, a position of more mental strength, just like some people start with bodies of athletes and other people don't start with bodies of athletes or they start, you know, with different innate um, characteristics, but every single one of us can improve right, and every yeah. single one of us can have, uh, can change and, and have an impact. So the analogy of physical fitness then perhaps is mm. quite a good one when you consider yeah, mental fitness. So. so you can go to the gym or perhaps do extreme ironing um, <laughs> to build your physical fitness. But yes. what are some key ways in a building mental fitness? Well, it's very interesting. There's a lot of research out there um, and it's, there's so many different ways that it's actually quite complex to talk about. But we've, we've broken it into sort of four different areas. So physical is actually important. Exercise, doing, doing exercise. Yeah, stuff, stuff with your body because your body affects your mind. They're, they're not unrelated. So physical fitness, diet, sleep uh, and drug and alcohol, that is not doing drugs and alcohol. Not, you're not suggesting um, people get out there and take lots of out drugs no, and alcohol. No, no, right. no. Okay. But, but those four factors, they will impact on your mental health. Um, and diet's a really interesting one. Here, right here in Melbourne, Deakin University is one of the, the universities in the world that's pioneering this. They've got a centre called the Food and Mood Centre, lovely kind of uh, name for it. But there's really good evidence that diet has an effect directly on mental health, just the kind of food you eat. Um, so, so physical is one. Social is another one. Uh, and that's about what kind of social networks do you have, the social capital that you've built up, and actually giving. Do you give your time and your money? Altruism is an incredibly important part of mental fitness as well. Um, then there's a, an area that we're calling mindset. And there's three main things we think are important there. So a positive mindset. And often what we think about with a positive mindset and we recommend is thankfulness. Do you look at the world and are you grateful? Um, do you go in with a positive mindset? A second one is a growth mindset. And that's really where I, where I disagree with Katie Taylor, your boxer, yep. because that uh, statement about strength does not have a growth mindset in it. And we know that actually um, the uh, attitude towards life that says I can improve, I can change, I can grow and I can learn is a really important part of mental fitness as well. Uh, and then finally, mindfulness, prayer, meditation. Yeah. Um, paying attention to the world, reflecting on it, that's another really important part of mental fitness. And that's one that I think that, you know, we are seeing come back in workplaces. They're having mindfulness um, sessions and seminars and so on. Uh, again, that's something I think Christians through the ages did naturally as part of the rhythm of their lives. And I think losing that means we've realised we actually have lost mm. something important. So you put prayer and mindfulness and meditation sort of in a similar kind of category? 
Um, I do from a mental fitness perspective. Right. I think they are quite different things um, in... Uh, in what you're actually doing. In, in what you're actually doing. Right. But from a mental fitness perspective, they have similar effects. Similar function, so mm. to speak, yeah. Now, you've mentioned religion before. There was one more. Oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, <laughs> which was environment. Right, okay. So this is where extreme ironing is interesting. When okay. you climb to the top of a mountain and do extreme ironing, your exposure to nature, it turns out, is actually another really important thing. Um, there's a great study they did in the UK where they randomly assigned people to public housing. Some people had public housing with a tree and some had a public housing without trees. Uh, and that made a difference to their mental health. Mm. And the final one is purpose and meaning in your work. So maybe you should recommend mm. a bit more extreme ironing then perhaps as a Yeah, I'm not a... ruling it out. That's the thing. <laughs> right, okay. Not for me, but but, to, sure, in, okay. but for people who like it, it, like it might do something. Their, yeah, yeah, their shirts right. on top of mountains, yeah. As you've mentioned before, there are, is some research to suggest that religion is good for your mental mm. health. Psychologist Andrew Sims, who wrote a book looking at the health impact of religion, said... When looking at the overall effects of religious belief and practice on whole populations, there is substantial evidence that religion is highly beneficial for all areas of health and especially mental health. Mm. So you, would you agree with his assessment? Yes, and there's really good and clear evidence of that. Yeah. There's um, a couple of interesting things that I've read recently that um, you have uh, quite easy access to if you want to go and have a look at some more. So there's a book written by Greg Sheridan, who's a, a journalist with The Australian. He's written a book called God is Good for You. He's gone and found a lot of that evidence and, mm -hmm. and it's there in the book. There's also one of our parliamentarians, Andrew Lee, who's uh, a Labor MP. Um, he has a PhD from Harvard in public policy. He's an atheist. Um, he uh, has talked very openly about the social capital that comes with uh, churches and the loss of churches has meant an erosion of social capital. There's a lot of really interesting evidence that you can look at. Mm. Um, and this is uh, not really disputed by many except the most extreme atheists. Well, it is disputed by some. So, for example, uh, atheist Sam Harris compared yes. religion to mental illness. Yes. Uh, he said religion allows otherwise normal human beings to reap the fruits of madness and consider them holy. So they consider religion part of the problem. So what's wrong here? Uh, they, they have no evidence for that. Um, that is a, a very strong polemical statement, if you like, that a few extreme atheists make. There is no evidence for that. All of the evidence that has been clearly and carefully collected, including by secular people, uh, is very uh, pointing in one direction, which is religion is good for you. It's good for you, right, mm. yeah. Now, you're a Christian believer. Is this your personal experience as well, that, it's, that you're persuaded that it's actually good for you as well? I am, but I, I think we need to be quite careful and thoughtful about separating out what and why. I'm not a Christian because I believe that it's good for me socially or I believe that it's good for my mental health. I'm a Christian because I believe it's true. Right. I also think it's therefore not surprising that if it's true, that it's also good for me. Yeah. So there's a really interesting, I think we need to be careful and get it the right way around. So yes, I, I am a Christian. Yes, I do believe that it's been good for me and my mental health. I actually think being a Christian has made me a more robust and resilient and mentally healthy person, but it's not why I'm a Christian. Yeah. So why are you a Christian then? What, what convinced you that it was true? I'm a... a boringly uh, kind of a logical thinker kind of person. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not convinced it's true for any emotional reasons. I'm actually convinced it's true um, because I think that, firstly, I believe Jesus rose from the dead and I mm. think there's enough evidence to suggest that that probably happened. And I think if he did, uh, that's such an amazingly unlikely and huge and monumental event in human history that it naturally colours um, everything else that I think and, and do so and uh, and everything else flows from that. So what was your journey to that point though? Was it something that you grew up with or did you, was it something that you 
came to in, in later life? I, I grew up with it, mm -hmm. um, but I have spent a number of um, times re-examining it, if you like. So there have been a, a few points in my life where I've gone, I really need to sit down and not just accept this uh, on face value, but actually ask myself the question, is it really true? There's a, a, a quote um, from St. Paul in the New Testament where he basically says, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we're the, then we're the greatest fools in history. But I, I, I take that seriously and I go, yeah, um, I'm living life in some ways, um, in a way that I wouldn't do if I wasn't a Christian, so I better be sure that I'm convinced. Yeah. Was there a crisis or something that you faced at any particular point? Or was it just a, you Not were just, really. You were just, just concerned of trying to delve and find the truth. Yeah. Um, but, but I am convinced by the fact that my Christian faith makes sense of the world for me and makes sense of the world in a way that I believe is um, meaningful, beautiful, true, uh, and right, and all of those things mean that I now don't face many crises because um, I feel like I, I've been there, done that a little bit mm -hmm. um, with examining it, but I'm more and more convinced as, as time goes on and as I live that this is, um, that, that this is the way the world is constructed. Yeah. Now, there is a song in the Bible which may provide some wisdom to help grow mental fitness. Um, mm. Psalm 95 from the Old Testament starts by saying, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Now, this speaks about giving thanks to God with music and song. Now, you mentioned that thankfulness before is a key way of building mm. mental fitness. Yeah. So, would an unintended side effect of this actually build mental fitness if, by, by giving thanks to, to the Lord? Absolutely. And, and I think that's what uh, people like Andrew Lee mean when they say the loss of uh, that regularity of going to church has meant a real loss in our society. It's not why we give thanks to God. We mm. give thanks to God because God is great and God deserves our praise and our thanks. But the fact that we do it I think has meant that there were things built into our lives that made us healthy and when we stop doing them things fall apart a little bit. Hmm. Well, journalist Wendy Squires once wrote a piece in The Age reflecting on the American Thanksgiving holiday, hmm. espousing the value of saying thanks. Now, the following day, there was a letter in the paper responding to Squires which said, I couldn't agree more. My only question for you, Wendy, is to who? Hmm. Now, does this matter or is the author being unnecessarily <laughs> cheeky? I think that's a really interesting question. So I, I have two answers and one is... Yes, of course it matters whether God is real and mm -hmm. whether or not we are in fact giving thanks to God who is the author of, in, in my opinion, the author of creation and the author of our, of our lives. Um, so that matters. Does it actually matter for mental fitness? It's an interesting thing there. There are some people who've actually done an experiment with giving thanks where they took people who said, I'm not thankful, I don't care about being thankful, I don't believe in thankfulness, I'm a complete, you know, atheist on the, on the subject of thankfulness, I'm not going to be, you know, thankful at all. And they've said, I don't care about that, don't care what you feel, just actually write down three things you're thankful in the morning every day. And it turns out the exercise of doing that, even if you don't believe it's going to work, even if you truly believe this is a waste of your time, the action of doing that still actually has an effect. So when you're asking me, does it matter to whom? Um, I think it does matter to whom because it's actually a good thing to believe the truth about the world. And so it, it matters that we, you know, give some thought to that. But does it matter for mental fitness? Surprisingly, actually, it, not very much. There's a, there's a sense in which that it doesn't really matter mm. so much at all. The psalm also talks about singing. Mm. Now, you're a singer. <laughs> yes. Is that good for your mental fitness? 
Absolutely. Uh, singing is one of my uh, best ways of knocking off about four of my mental fitness goals <laughs> in, right, in one yeah. go. No, it's social. It involves being you know, with other people, but it also involves uh, mindfulness, focused attention on something. Uh, it's really enjoyable. Uh, it's actually exercise. There's a number of things which are brilliant about singing, and singing is an activity which has been shown to be great for mental health, actually. Mm-hmm. Well, the psalm continues, and in verses 6 and 7, it speaks about living under the care of God, where the psalmist writes, "'Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God.'" And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. So this psalm is speaking about worshipping God. Now, some are critical of the notion of worshipping a deity. But could worshipping God actually be good for you? Or does it make you less fit because you have to rely on somebody else? Um, Yes, I think worshipping God is good for you. I think that worshipping God is good for you for a couple of reasons. Firstly, it takes your attention away from yourself and onto someone else. It enables you to be thankful and to have that thankful attitude. Um, it's often something that you do in a social context, and, and that's really good as well. Well, that's um, what happens here. It says he absolutely. is our God, and so that's the notion right. of community is it's, it's done in a communal sense. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I think the last thing is meaning. Um, if there's one thing that this lack of boredom, uh, so we're no, no longer bored, but what is it that we lack? I th- really think we lack meaning and purpose. And so it's almost a, a, a necessary corollary of we're always so busy, we've always got something to do, but is what we're doing actually anything other than fiddling around with meaningless nothings Mm. Um, and I think people really feel that and I think the fact that you can always be busy you can always be active uh, doing something particularly phones they're always on but what purpose is there uh, that's a that's a huge one and I think that worship inevitably helps you to be centered and answer that question about what is my purpose in life what is the meaning for why I'm here we believe actually the meaning for every human life is worship of God Mm. and so I think that when we're in touch with that um, we have a a really clear and good answer to that answer of meaning and purpose Mm. I'm always really saddened when I hear of people in their um, in in the latter parts of their life feeling they've lost meaning or purpose often because they tied it up in the wrong things and they put it in their job or they put it in something that they've now lost Mm. but this passage is not saying that you should worship in order to be mentally fit is actually being worshipped no. because God is God. Exactly. And, and that's, a, that's a key thing. But yes. a side effect, though, is that, well, it could actually be good for you at the same time. That's right. Yeah. But this is not to say that the Christians don't suffer from no. mental challenges. No. Well, I think that's true in general. So just as you go to the gym but doesn't stop you breaking your leg or you go to the gym and it doesn't stop you getting ill, mental fitness is not about saying that you will never have issues in life. And also, I don't think mental fitness, or Christianity for that matter, promises us an easy life. Uh, This is not about an easy life either. But nevertheless, I think like physical fitness, mental fitness is about how we're designed to operate and be and what will lead us uh, to have the the most robust and healthy kind of start to everything, all the challenges that we face. Yeah. So in what ways do you want to unpack a little bit more about how God has been helpful for your own mental fitness, do you think? There's a number of things that I think that I do that are a bit countercultural. The main one's giving, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that many people in our society realise how important it is um, for mental health to give time and money. And that used to be really common. Um, people used to naturally think about giving their time, volunteering, giving money and so on. That That's actually much rarer now. Um, and so I think that's one thing that 
being a Christian has definitely just built into the, the rhythm and the pattern of my life that I actually think is really helpful. The, the second thing I noticed was I've talked to a number of people um, about some of the research that we've been looking at and so on. And one of the research pieces that we saw was social networks. And the research is that, you know, if you have four or more people that you feel like you can go to, you can turn to in a crisis, you can talk to and so on, that's really good and helpful for your mental health. And I was thinking about it and I thought, you know, I've got hundreds I mean, actually hundreds, certainly tens to, to you know of people that I could do that with. These are Most, more than these are more than just Facebook friends. Absolutely, like, these are actual real relationships. No, I was I was thinking to myself, you know, who would I turn to if I said I'm in a dire need and I need five thousand dollars tomorrow? I'm in dire need and I need a place to stay tomorrow. Um, I'm in dire need. Something really embarrassing has happened to me. I've lost my job and it's going to be in the newspapers. I need support. And I've still got tens to hundreds of people who I'd feel like they might not be able to help me necessarily, but I'd be, I'd be able to ask. It was interesting that talking to colleagues, there are a lot of people who can't get to four. Mm. And that's something I feel like my church community has given me that in spades. I mean, you know, it, it is just, uh, um, and I've realised many other people don't have that. Yeah, and that's one of the sort of again unintended side effects Absolute, of the, being yeah. part of a Christian community, etc. Less unintended in, in this case, I think. Okay. I think Christian, right. I think Christian community. That is the intention. I think it, it okay, is you think about. This is actually one of the way that Christian uh, community has been sort of I, I devised so. in some sense. Some sense. I think so. I think there's a real um, sense in which, as a body, as the body of Christ, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are set up for and called to that kind of support for each other, and that is apparently now in our society a little bit countercultural. Mm, mm. mm. So perhaps there was a divine mind behind it to help yeah. look after his flock, so to speak. That's right. <laughs> so if someone's really struggling with mental uh, health challenges, listening to this now, what should they do? A uh, couple of things. So seek help from a professional uh, and think uh, about how to incorporate um, some good habits and practices into life. So sometimes um, mental health challenges can make you spiral downwards or it's almost like self-fulfilling prophecies. Things get worse and they, and they uh, feed off each other. So a really good example is sleep. You're feeling depressed, sleep gets worse, bad sleep makes you more depressed, you get more depressed, you sleep, you know, and so on. Mm. But there's a number of things like that. Um, you feel depressed, you have less social contact. Less social contact makes you more depressed. You know, many of these things are kind of either downward or, fortunately, upward spirals. Mm. And so, yes, seek help, but also realise that if you can, and sometimes your mental resources are so low that this is just not possible for you, but if you can catch it early enough, incorporating these habits in can actually be a positive upward spiral um, rather than a negative downward spiral. And, you know, a psychologist probably won't put you on medication straight away necessarily, uh, and instead they'll talk to you about other resources and ways that you can put yourself into an upward positive spiral. So, Jenny, mm. how can I be mentally fit? I think that you can uh, incorporate great habits into your life that enable you to have meaning and purpose, be healthy and build great social capital. Mm. And perhaps even religion could help. And I think that stepping inside your neighbourhood church would not be a bad first step to, to doing any of that. Well, let me leave you with some of the Bible's answer to the big question, how can I be mentally fit? from Psalm 95, verses 1 and 2. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. 
I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Please thank our guest today, Dr Jenny George. Enjoy Bigger Questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash biggerquestions.